0: We will control the horizontal. We will control the vertical.
1: Just one more thing.
0: Hey now, oh boy,
2: holy mechanical armies! Mom always liked you best. (laughs) Oh, she did. (laughs) You wanted to be one way. What is the other way?
0: One of these days, are we having fun yet? It's gonna be legend.
2: Wait for it.
0: Now, you might very well think that, but of course I couldn't possibly comment. Bertie Hellens agreed. Oh, come on! Missed it by that much. Good evening.
1: Hello and welcome to the Televerse, Sound On Sight's TV podcast. This is Kate Kalzik, and I'm joined as ever by Simon Howell. Simon how's is going.
2: Uh, uh, School is <laughs> still on strike, so I have lots of free time. I can watch more TV, so good for me. I'm a bad striker,
1: just for the record. <laughs> well, yeah, clearly a man with the appropriate priorities, and that's something that I respect and enjoy. So, well done, sir. Um, we had some great comments and, and tweets and stuff last week. We I uh, had a lot of fun talking with Josh and Ken and T N R L M, whose name I actually don't know, but that's uh, that's his Twitter thing about or her, I should say, about the Bechtel test on television. It. They uh they they put up there was a piece up at Huffington Post about how even a lot of the best shows on television f- have uninteresting or undeveloped female relationships. So that was a lot of fun, go- kind of going back and forth on that a little bit. We came up with basically Parks and Rec and Archer a- as the exceptions, and and maybe like Once Upon a Time too, but I wouldn't necessarily say that's one of the best shows on television. So no, uh, but I mean like Justified, Luck, they don't they don't qualify. So. They don't have two women talking to each other.
2: No, yeah, that's yeah. They don't pass the Bechdel test. They do have horses talking to each other though, so that's kind of well, worth something.
1: It's yes, clearly there's we don't know. Maybe they're all female horses talking to each other maybe. about not male horses. And
2: they are taking away valuable work from Sarah Jessica Parker, so
1: yeah. Oh, burn! That is not cool. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. I'm just such a dick thing to say. Uh... <laughs> Sorry, that, it was right there. It was not right there. <laughs> it was Bad right there. Simon. We
2: were talking about women. Bad. And and,
1: uh... Bad.
0: Sorry. Moving
1: forward, I also talked about some TV dogs with Kathleen, which was fun, and lots of talk about Lost because I'm in the middle of a, a Lost mini rewatch marathon thing, sort of sporadically. So that's been lots of fun. Um, I'm having trouble. It's I forgot just how serialized this show is, so I'm having trouble like trying to skip around. Um so if you guys have any suggestions for me particularly as it gets to the later seasons please drop me a line let me know of course you're still just at the very beginning of lost so
2: Yeah I'm just crawling through season 1 I'm I'm only just now on the on near the end of the second disc
1: Yeah so so yeah, it's, it's
2: happening but slowly yeah.
1: More yeah we'll have we'll I'm sure talk about lost when you get a little further through the series um but um so that was fun we got some awesome uh itunes things thank you guys so much we got two new ratings and two new reviews both five stars from michael and keith so thank you guys so much it is great to uh to to see that and it always of course makes my day i'm sure it's good news for you as well
2: yes yes it is we like stars we're basically like third graders (laughs)
1: It, it, it's sad, actually, it kind of is how how true that could be. they're not gold though they're black, so maybe if they were shinier, it would be even more pronounced but yes. uh but anyway, so thank you guys so much and be like Michael and Keith and the other two random um people or un uh, anonymous people that is who who left ratings and reviews for us because it really does actually help us out. It helps people find us um in iTunes who you know I, it's there's a relatively small tv podcast community so if because i have i've been on the other side of that trying to find new tv podcasts and it can be kind of hard so th- things like that really help other people find us mm-hmm. so
2: yes and and once you find us you, you can stop looking <laughs> obviously
1: i would because... say you know supplement we can steer you towards some other fabulous podcasts. big red you know, podcast just are... had their 250th uh, episode by the way so they did to and them. that's
2: great but when you're listening to us it's, that's your exclusive that's it we don't you can't cheat on us with other podcasts we don't like it
1: anyways moving i don't like it (laughs) (laughs) simon feels insecure that's okay though i understand i am
2: very insecure
1: at soundonsight.org we have lots of really cool stuff going on of course south by southwest is happening right now and i'm jealous of all of you wonderful people who are getting to go um so we have what reviews and and news and stuff coming in from there
2: yes yes we have lots of reviews and stuff coming in and uh, hey Maybe I'll go to South by Southwest next year and pretend to be homeless so they can make me into a hot
1: spot. Ooh, topical. Um, It's also uh, Hitchcock Month at the website, so some fun things happening like that. And then it's been a while since we kind of ran down all the TV shows that we're reviewing over there, and they're not all shows that we cover on the podcast, so I figured maybe it was time. Of course, Mad Men and Game of Thrones are going to be starting up here soon. Mad Men has its two-hour premiere this coming Sunday, and then Game of Thrones starts the week after that. Uh, So we will be having reviews for those, both shows, uh, weekly reviews, up at the website as well as we currently have uh survivor and amazing race are both covered by dan and we have i i also cover fringe which is on hiatus at the moment also on hiatus revenge and we then we have once upon a time grim just justified in luck or ones that you do um, of course we have the the thursday comedy wrap-up which kind of looks at uh, each of the the big comedies that air on Thursday nights and as well as the walking dead, of course they just had their season finale, but you and Ricky have your reviews up at the website for that. Yes, we do. And then of course we will have either going out. I think it should probably actually already be out by this point. Um, our, our thoughts on the, on the walking dead finale and the sound on site walking dead podcast should be up. So mm-hmm. you can listen to that too. If you're just looking for more TV talk. Um, yes.
2: If you don't get enough of that here, <laughs>
1: And then I did this past week, I finally did actually get my cop and doctor and lawyer show article out. So that was fun for me, at least. Hopefully you guys will enjoy it. If you enjoy Procedurals, maybe check that out.
2: Yes, and it's on the IMDb front page, so booyah.
1: Yay! Hopefully people will read it and maybe leave a comment about their favorite cop show or doctor show or why they like lawyer shows more than the other two or something like that. I think it's mm-hmm. interesting. And then this week, sort of kind of uh, tying into the Hunger Games premiere, I'm going to do uh, a list of the the, the my favorite badass Uh, heroines on tv so genre heroines or or maybe i'll expand it out to be you know any uh type of tv show but there's a lot of times some of the um like we were like we were talking about earlier there can be some shows that even though they're really good don't have the most interesting female relationships so i figure Mm -hmm. it's time to really show show off the shows that get it right
2: yeah for sure I'm looking forward to it.
1: So now before we get into our weekend in TV, we should mention this. Uh, we're going to have at the end of the show our DVD shelf with Josh Spiegel from, of course, Masterpiece Cinema talking about Better Off Ted, which was so much fun. And I love that show. Um, so that'll be coming at the end of the podcast.
2: Speaking of shows that got their female characters right.
1: Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead and start off our week, and we will start with a new girl, Control. And we had uh, Hippie Schmidt this week, and let me I'm curious what you thought.
2: Well, it's hard to go wrong with anything Schmidt-related, really. <laughs> I mean, I kind of feel like Max Greenfield sort of owns the show at this point, and I think everybody knows it, I think including the showrunners, who maybe want to consider changing the title of the show. Uh, other than that, I mean, it's kind of a... It's sort of a, a test of a sitcom, how well it can do with an incredibly lazy premise, which there's really no lazier sitcom premise than let's change a character just long enough for everyone to realize why he is a certain way and we have to change him <laughs> back when it doesn't work, which it, this episode is very transparently about. Uh, but yes, it's very hard to go wrong with a show that's so clearly Schmidt-centered.
1: Yeah, they, they've they only done a few Schmidt-centered episodes, I feel like, I, th- I think they've done actually a pretty good job of using him judiciously, so he doesn't get old. And granted, Max Greenfield's awesome, and he does a a, a really good job with the role. I, I think they've used him well, and I think having this episode feature him, it, it, though it is very, like you were saying, it is a very cliched, hackneyed premise... He's just having so much fun with it it, that it works. And I do like the rest of the episode as well. Um, I enjoyed the Nick and Winston money thing. Uh, I thought that was... appropriately diverting, I suppose, from the main schmidt. Winston's
2: note was the highlight. (laughs) The way he throws a
1: dude in there. Dude. You wrote dude. You seriously wrote dude. So yeah, another, at least for me, another solid episode of uh, New Girl this week. And then, of course, following that, not for you because I know you don't watch Cougar Town, but for me, I enjoyed One Story Town, which was the new episode from Cougar Town. It was basically like a Scrubs crossover. And as I recall, you haven't seen Scrubs?
2: No, but actually I did watch this episode and neglected to mention it.
1: Oh, well, sure why. well, what did you think?
2: Uh, it was, yeah, it was very in-jokey, wasn't it? Um, uh, yeah, this was very much like a, this felt very much like a a, a party I wasn't invited to. Okay. I
0: mean,
1: it, you know there, there were was, Quebecers.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, the, the, the <laughs> Quebec jokes were very broad and not very, I, I always take issue with when people head for like Canadian humor, Quebec humor and then don't really do anything culturally specific with it. Like, come on, if you're going to get into it and Archer was somewhat guilty of this as well. Like if you're going to get into it, you know, really get into it, impress us Quebecers with it. But you, but no, they, they didn't do that. They just sort of threw them around generically. I was a little disappointed by that.
1: Oh, well, you know, maybe because I've only been to Quebec the once, I enjoyed the episode. I, I, I really thought Sarah Chalk fit in well with the rest of the cast. Um, her I enjoyed the her date from hell even just the physical comedy of her um doing her crab walk thingy with her burnt legs at the end of the uh, episode worked for me. Also, I love the Blanks, which is the actual name of Ted's band, who I think are called the Peons or something like that on the on Scrubs. Um, but they're actually, the band's actually called the Blanks, and I thought they were well used in the episode. It was so fun to see them. And then just a the little tag at the end, which is all, you know, for Scrubs fans was a lot of fun for me too, because I do very much enjoy that show. Or I did enjoy that show. Um, as for the rest of the episode, you know, it's, it's Cougar Town. It's fun. You're just watching this group of characters hang out and you're just kind of going along for the ride. And for me, that works because I like these characters. So I don't think it's going to win over any new converts at this point. I think.
2: No, nope. anybody... I don't think it's trying to either.
1: Well, I think anybody who's tried the show and doesn't like it unless they saw a particularly weak episode or maybe early season one when it was still finding its feet I feel like the show's not going to change so if it's not for you, it's not for you but if it is, then it's a lot of fun so I Mm. enjoyed it
2: and speaking of hangout comedies, I assume you watched Happy Endings.
1: I week. did watch Happy Endings Party of Six, which was a lot of fun. Um, the, this episode was centered around the, the group trying to figure out where to go to eat for Penny's birthday. Um, Penny, of course, has a birthday curse. They had an episode last season uh, featuring uh, a, a unsuccessful birthday attempt, and so they decided to, to make that into a whole thing for her. And... I I don't, maybe I particularly enjoyed this because my family has its own Sisyphusian struggles to pick where to eat rather frequently. Um, But for me, it really, it really worked. Uh, I I loved every time Max said birthday curse, it was just hilarious to me. So there was a lot of smaller details like that that I liked. Uh, I thought the, the, brad and jane's um or jane finding out that brad had taken her to his place where he would always take dates to break up with them uh was well handled and sweet but still worked with their relationship so in general i uh, i thought it i thought it worked i had a lot of fun so um better than the past couple of weeks i would say too even though there wasn't much alex and i do think alicia Cosbert is probably one of the funniest things about the show but um yeah good episode and you watched south park
2: Yes, the 16th season premiere of South Park, because this show, despite the speculation that cropped up in the middle of last season, will never, ever end. Uh, This was basically a one I mean, it kind of feels like this is what South Park does now. Like, it, it finds one joke and then finds ways to sort of hammer it in for 22 minutes, and sometimes it works really, really well. Sometimes it works not so well. This was somewhere in between. I mean, basically, the whole idea is that Clyde figures out a new like Clyde. They they all sort of discover that that Clyde has an alternative method of using the bathroom that he thinks is great because basically he faces backwards so then he has a little shelf for himself <laughs> and everything is closer. It just makes more sense and everyone makes fun of him and anyway and that turns out to be the correct way <laughs> to use anyway. It, there's a whole thing and it's it is actually quite clever and funny but they they do kind of. It's very clear that it was it was an episode sort of founded around this one idea, and it, it also threatens to be one of their annoying libertarian episodes because the TSA, aka the Toilet Safety Administration, uh, shows up and they're very domineering and it really it it threatens to go to some very annoying places, but it never quite gets there. It it, it seems like lately they've known well enough to curb their sort of pseudo political aspirations at the right time so that's not to alienate people so it's it they sort of have an idea of how not to do that now which is good and also kenny's still gone which is interesting And i'm wondering how and if they're gonna bring him back so we'll see anyway it was it was a fine premiere like not not the best they've done but certainly far far from the worst and then speaking of worst you were dumb enough to watch the, the season the series premiere of missing why did you do that to yourself
1: because, first of all, we've watched all the other network premieres between the two of us. <laughs> That's the
2: best reason. But
1: yeah. more than that, because I was very pleasantly surprised by it. Um it, it helps that I went in with super low expectations. So let me just say that at of, of the offset. If I had actually gone into it with any you know hopes or ideas that maybe it would be good, this might be a very different review. But... I expected it to kind of be terrible, and I was very pleasantly surprised. I will say, I th- I think that as an action sort of uh, thriller kind of show, I think it works. I think Ashley Judd is good, and and the lead, and far more believable as a like badass fighter chick than I would have anticipated. Um, there are a few times where it sidesteps my um the cliché uh the, the clichéd choice that i enjoyed not you know it's not breaking any new ground or anything but it was nice to see them sort of skip some of the more predictable um developments uh, i'm still expecting that and this is not a spoiler because it's pure speculation sean bean dies in the first five minutes he's plays her husband He explodes rather spectacularly, but I'm pretty sure that uh, he's not dead and probably a major figure behind the kidnapping of her son. So that's a little unfortunate that it seems so clear that that makes sense. Wouldn't it be
2: great if he was just dead, though? Because that would make a great track record for him.
1: Yeah, but then they would have shown him blowing up not just oh, a they hand didn't show him blowing up. they showed a okay, hand turning the car and then the car exploding cutting back well, and forth no between theory. him and his son and he could, forgot the soccer ball that he just just uh had said he was going to bring so that he had to send the son inside to get it by himself kind of a thing it's just a little too convenient so anyways that doesn't this doesn't matter anyway so it's like i said it's not Gonna break any new ground, and on a Thursday night at as, as seven o'clock, there are so many other shows that I care more about watching. But this is might be one that I kept, that I stick with for a couple weeks, um, on demand or on on ABC.com, kind of thing, uh, just to see how it how it does. But in general, uh, nice visuals, good fight scenes, some of the more emotional things, not so much. But I enjoy the lack of dialogue in a lot of the episode so hopefully it'll keep it up
2: all right next up oh good yes uh so community is back next uh this past week and after a, how long was the hiatus like three months quite a while not okay but, but seriously guys in the like the span of tv not that
1: long in the span of tv shows that aren't intended to go on hiatus it's a long time
2: yeah i guess Anyway, so community's back, so everyone can stop whining about it. Um,
1: with that so, strident, uh, those strident words from you, Simon, I'm going to go on a limb and say that you didn't like this episode.
2: It's not that it's not that I didn't like the episode. Honestly, if I was into community, I'm sure I would have been perfectly happy with this episode. I was glad that they and they probably didn't have a choice, really, but. I'm glad they came back with an episode that wasn't super in-jokey about the hiatus or about mm-hmm. Jim Rash's Academy Award. or.
1: Though he's like they... in the credits now. I don't know if you noticed that.
2: I did, yes. Um, I think he's been in the credits for a while, though. Eh, I, I don't could know. be wrong. Anyway, um, I was glad that they didn't go for the super meta choice. and They went instead for a pretty straightforward episode. That was great. Um, but it, it doesn't change the fact that like I was hoping the hiatus might fix it, but... Ultimately, I'm just so disengaged from this show. I don't, even when I know that it should, I should be laughing or I should be enjoying it. I just, I don't connect with the characters or the laughs anymore. Community, I think between us, it's just not working. I'm, I, I wish I could account for exactly why, and it, I would love to say it's the fans, but it's not the fans. Although, I do hate you all.
1: <laughs> I, I thought the episode was good. I don't think it's amazing. I don't think it's as good as the internet seems to think it is in general. Um, I do think it's a solid episode back, though, and I really like that they finally gave Shirley something to do. Her stuff, for me, just all worked really well. I loved that there wasn't just a simple they-should-get-married they should stay not married kind of situation with with her and her husband. I like that it was a little more nuanced than that. Um, I, I enjoyed normal Troy and Abed, uh, and I enjoyed the fact that Annie's boobs is what gets uh, them back into their their delightfully weird ways. Um, the for me the only real problem I had with the episode, uh, and this might be your fault for you know breaking the glass on this for me, but. Yeah. Um, the the terrible fake drunk acting really was annoying to me from from Britta and Jeff.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't good. But I feel like like there needs to be a Hollywood wide acting class on drunk acting. Well, very few people do that right.
1: I couldn't decide if it was intentionally bad, like if it was supposed to be some meta thing, because I wouldn't put that past the show either, but. Yeah, it was really bugging me. I did. I loved the rest of Britta's, uh, her story in the episode. I, the idea that she her superpower is is wedding stuff is kind of awesome, and I, I, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that actually. But um, yeah, other other than the the fake drunk thing, which really the delivery didn't work for me. The rest of the episode I enjoyed, and i I'm, I'm glad to have the show back.
2: I don't actually hate all you community fans. I just like riling you up.
1: (laughs) Next, there was 30 Rock St. Patrick's Day and the return of Dennis. What did you think?
2: I love Dennis. He's great. Um, It's also weird because I also associate him with Rescue Me. But anyway, that's a whole other thing. I thought this was perfectly solid. Uh, I think 30 Rock's been a lot better recently than it was near the beginning of the season. I think we can agree on that. And I think it's funny because... 30 Rock was actually more meta than Community this week. Did you notice that?
1: Oh, yeah, I suppose.
2: The, the whole, like, closing... The closing scene where Tracy and Jenna sort of acknowledge, oh, it's great when characters change, isn't it? When they change and evolve. Like, <laughs> almost like they were directly addressing the show's critics. Mm-hmm. That was that was cute. I don't know. I, I, I chuckled a lot. I was happy to see Kristen Shaw again. She's suddenly sort of the queen of television, which I'm really happy about. I thought she was quite funny... Uh, And actually, and and she makes the Jack McBrayer stuff more tolerable in just with her presence, which is also good. And also, it was the first time in a while that I've chuckled at Tina Fey's one-liners, especially the bit about uh, chuckling at uh, laughing at excerpts from Angela's Ashes on (laughs) Patrick's Day. That was probably my line of the night and possibly the week. I was very happy with that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it wasn't a stellar episode, but I thought it was quite solid across the board.
1: It was just so nice for me to actually enjoy a Liz plot line for once, because I feel like that has not happened very frequently this season. Um, though I do still think there was too much of the episode devoted to that. I I like the idea of the Tracy and Jenna thing, but I, I, I thought it was, uh, wasn't executed that well. Um, it seemed just too on the nose the way that they went with it I would I think that would have been a more interesting just an entire episode just on that um but I, I guess they don't want to actually change it up too much despite mm-hmm. what they say to the audience um I actually I really enjoyed Jack's storyline in his victory in uh, Colonizers of the oh, yes, yeah. which of course I'm such a gaming geek that's right up my alley I was trying, I was like well it's kind of like Settlers, in some ways, but then it also, the way they're talking about it, it seems more like Carcassonne. Like, so of course, in my head, I was <laughs> figuring it all out, but it, yeah, I really enjoyed that.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought it was uh, solid and funnier. I'm sorry, kids, funnier than community by quite a bit, at least for me, but that's you know, also because I'm just so alienated from community at this point, which is my fault, I guess. I,
1: anyway. I, I liked community better, but uh, I, I, it wasn't as. They weren't as far apart as some mm-hmm. people may have expected them to be.
2: Um, yes. But speaking of things that we both enjoy, Archer, Archer. over on FX. Uh, so this is the first part of the two-part finale, which takes place in space with <laughs> Brian Cranston. Come on. How could this fail to be awesome? This, uh, this really did it for me. I mean, everything from... Brian Cranston. <laughs> to, I mean, and <laughs> everything from iter- Brian
1: Cranston to Brian Cranston.
2: Yeah, the many iterations and variations on Danger Zone mm-hmm. were, were probably, and also the I I love the many recurring gags they're developing this se- this season, especially read a book,
0: mm-hmm. and, and
2: yeah, which we get this episode, and also of course the the many like sort of syntactical jokes that that pop up now and again that only really the show seems to be able to pull off. Mm-hmm. And I love that we get the uh, the return of Pam and Archer yeah and their their torrid little affair
1: well and you know references to Katja and all that stuff like it seems yeah. like they're doing more to actually establish a mythology or a world to this to the show as opposed to just you know gags as they go yeah. along
2: and I was happy that you know I love I love Barry as a character and and as a villain mm-hmm. but I'm really happy that these episode these closing episodes apparently don't involve him because I too much Barry could be a bad
1: thing. Yeah, Littleberry goes a long way. Uh for me, I I just enjoyed how big of an asshole Archer was the whole way, particularly <laughs> to poor Cyril. Um <laughs> <laughs> along yeah. with uh Lana who is I would say by far the most level-headed and intelligent of them all just being made useless by her space sickness. Uh so I enjoyed that recurring thing just I mean Yes, it was in all the ads, but still, by the time they got to you, just destroyed Alderon. I just, I was laughing. I couldn't help it. it, was, it was Do we a good think episode. maybe
2: Lana is pregnant, or am I reading into this?
1: I think you're reading into it, but who knows? On this show, could be.
2: Could be. I mean, I don't. I don't really expect them to go to that well again this soon, but eh, you know, they gave Archer cancer, so you never know.
1: Yeah. Oh, by the way, I was gonna say, have you seen those uh, Archer Mad Men mashups? No. Yeah, pictures, stills from to. Mad Men with quotes from uh, Archer. It's fantastic. Oh, yes, I,
2: I, have, yeah, I saw that. It, that, was, that. Those were a good time.
1: Yeah, so anyone listening, go check it out because they're hilarious. Uh, there, but... There's a certain
2: poetry to Archer ending and Mad Men beginning on the same week next week.
1: Yeah, yeah. I...
2: It, it just feels right.
1: <laughs> um, any final thoughts on Archer for you?
2: No, I'm, I'm just hoping that the finale is equally or possibly even more awesome. I think they can do it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So we'll see what happens next week. Uh, Next we have Awake and Guilty. This is the third episode of the the season. Pilot was one we both enjoyed. Second week, a little shakier. So what did you think of this third installment?
2: I was actually a little bit more encouraged by this week's episode than last, even though it wasn't necessarily better. I kind of feel like it was... uh, Last week was sort of dully consistent for me, and... This week had some really interesting highs and some really annoying lows. I thought, for instance, everything that Rex and Laura Allen got to do was actually really interesting. I think they're they're both great. And I think that they, they cross cut between the universes in more interesting ways this uh, this this week and we got more interesting interactions. That being said, the physics of how the show works are <laughs> getting a little hairy. And there was a lot of contrivances this week that were really tough to deal with.
1: Yeah, for me, the the problem that I had with this episode, um, and thankfully we don't get any more of the Lore Innes stuff this week, so that was nice. That that didn't happen. But the problem I have with this episode is that it seems to contradict the premise somewhat that is established in the pilot, where a name from one universe or whatever uh, will show up in the other universe, but it's not the same person. In In the pilot, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think it was the same guy who was dead in, in both worlds, even though it was the same name, or the same name was connected, whereas in this episode, it's not only the same guy. In both worlds, he's he's innocent, and in both worlds he's framed by the same person. So, mm-hmm. And he's in the same, you know, and he's in the same prison, and he know, has the same house. So for me, they... It just seemed conf- somewhat confusing because yeah. either it should be they're the same worlds and they start branching off after the death or after the accident, or they're distinct.
2: I'm not sure that's a problem. I think what we what we established this episode is that there are differences between the universes and they're basically arbitrary. <laughs> like in in one universe, I mean, in both universes, this guy's locked up, but he only tr- but he only tries to break out in one of them, and like that's That's true. Kinda, true. That's kind of strange. I don't know. I, that's uh, what I'm having trouble with is the physics of when he goes to sleep, ah, and like the timing of when he gets up, and I'm tr- I was trying to make sense of that, and my head really started to hurt.
1: Yeah, I for I I do think that um. I think that they've done a good job of establishing the two worlds as both being interesting and viable options. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I know we had some problems uh, on our walking dead podcast with the actor who plays Carl on that show, but he, the guy who plays Rex here is really good and proof that there can be really good kids on TV or teens at least.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So. Props to Dylan Bennett and uh, Laura, Laura Allen, because they both have what could be really thankless roles and mm-hmm. I think they both do great work. Yeah. So you watched Vampire Diaries, as per usual.
1: Yes, I did. And actually, you don't need to go into the isolation chamber this time, because I'm going to keep it spoiler-free. Um, this was, in at least for me, this was the first meh episode that they've done. I mean, maybe because I watched the first two seasons in such quick succession, I'm like skipping over something, but... I, it was there was interesting thing there there were interesting things going on in the episode and I think the performances were fine they weren't bad but just for once it felt like they were stretching for time and that's something that the show has never done before to my recollection so it was it was somewhat strange to experience that uh the. A lot of this episode, character-wise, I think is set up for what's coming this next week. They wanted to introduce a character in flashbacks and have them show up the next week, Um, but there wasn't enough that actually happened in what we watched to make it interesting i don't know this character i don't think i don't feel like i know them after spending uh, a significant amount of time in the flashbacks with them so that's that's disappointing so hopefully they'll you know it's a little blip it seems very strange to have a boring episode of vampire diaries so hopefully it'll be back with gusto next week um but then after that there was supernatural out with the old which had um not it wasn't. It, I guess it was a red shoes inspired opening with some cursed ballerina slippers, which was awesome. I I, I mean, supernatural wants to do the red shoes. I will watch that every time. So I, I really enjoyed this episode. I think it's one of the best Leviathan, which is their overall arc episodes that they've done this season. Because for once, the the Leviathans actually felt like characters. They had defining character traits, and you could you know within first first five minutes that you spent with them you could say this character would do this and that character would do that which is something that has not been true of them for the rest of the season so hopefully this will show uh signal a transition in the way that those villains are handled and then the rest of the season will be more interesting um and we'll take a cue from this so i like the episode it was a lot of fun uh any, you know, red shoes and possessed, uh, possessed porn. So, I mean, that's, that's interesting, uh, though that's mostly off screen. Um, so we'll see what happens next week. There's a, a big episode headed our way, but that's all I'll say for, in case of the spoiler phobic out there. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. And then to kind of round up the sci-fi viewing this week, um, Lost Girl, The Morning After. And this episode was really interesting because they introduced, so the main character on Lost Girl, right, is a succubus, and they introduced an, a creature called an alabaster, which is, so succubus will kill you with, by having sex with you, you know, you're, you know, so distracted by all the pleasure and happiness you experience that they can kill you if they want to. Alabaster works the opposite way, where they shame you into killing yourself, so it's like this idea of of um repression and puritanic uh, puritanical approach to sex that it was really interesting because i've never heard of that before so i thought it was cool for them to to bring that up and really show the contrast and sort of balance out the two sides of the fae world with that um i like kenzie wait
2: a second shouldn't the opposite be someone who if they ever stop having sex with you it kills you wouldn't that be the opposite no no no. Isn't that how opposites work?
1: Yeah, well, the succubus causes pleasure from sex. Alabaster causes despair from sex. So, so
2: how do they ever get
1: laid? They don't want to get laid.
2: I'm confused.
1: You have sex, succ- succubus makes you happy. You have sex, alab- and an alabaster touches you, then you, you go into a shame spiral and commit suicide.
2: Right, so my question is, what is an alabaster's seduction technique like?
1: They don't seduce you. I'm if you have sex they and they touch you, then it doesn't matter. <laughs> Joy, despair. Two opposites. Okay. I got it. <laughs> just go with me on it. <laughs> but yeah, so I like that they actually approach that instead of just having it be there's only one sort of sex demon and there are good and bad ones. I like that there it's more complicated than that. So so good work to the lost girl crew up in Canada. You guys are doing a great job. Um, Next on Sunday, we have Eastbound and Down, uh, chapter 18 or episode 18. (laughs) What did you think of this week?
2: You know, I'm finding Eastbound and Down trickier and trickier to review week to week because I kind of feel like it's sort of true of each season, but especially this season, I kind of feel like we're playing a big game of chicken and I'm (laughs) waiting to see how far they're willing to go this season in terms of just spiraling into darkness. (laughs) And we we get pretty far this week, but... I feel like, are they going to go further or are they going to sort of start to redeem these characters or, or, or not? And I it was probably one of the least funny episodes of the season, but I still thought it was pretty well executed throughout. Like, I was really satisfied with the fact that nobody showed up to his party and his sort of pathetic display of trying to ruin the Russians party. And in general, the I thought the editing and soundtrack choices were just fantastic this week. So I I was really just mostly enjoying the show on an aesthetic level, which is not something you usually say about a comedy, but you know, this is it's an HBO thing, I guess. I don't know, what did you think?
1: Um I thought it was nice to have some continuation of the fallout from Stevie from last week. Uh, I didn't necessarily mm-hmm. expect that so thought that was good. We'll see where that goes. Um just the Similarly to you, just the visual of of Kenny Fowers walking into the club in the American thing, and and then yeah, Ivan yeah. has the giant Uncle Sam
2: outfit, yeah, the
1: giant you know Russian hat, and then like even just in the background, uh, like on on the screen, different things are flashing. Like, like I I'm pretty sure one of the things it says is communism is sexy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't catch that. Yeah, just like as it's like strobing through to different things. So you know, I, I really enjoyed a lot of this. The construction of this episode, I think I actually might have liked it more than you, which is a first. Um, Maybe I also I don't I don't know uh, the the second season. I haven't seen the second season at all, and I've barely seen a little bit of the first season, so I didn't know who John Johnson was going to play. But uh, yes. I love how like t- ten seconds into the to to watching him on screen, it's like okay, that's got to be Kenny's dad. Mm-hmm. So I, and
2: I I I do have to say I freaked out a little bit at Lily Tomlin showing up at the end. Holy crap!
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I can't I can't That's lie. Be awesome. <laughs> um. So yeah, I like the episode. Yep,
2: I, I I did too. I'm I'm just I'm I'm waiting to see where they're going. Yeah. I'm a little I'm a little worried, but I'm kind of excited also.
1: Cool. And now for something completely different, Bob's Burgers, <laughs> slightly different tone. There. What did you think of? Uh, was it Bob Day afternoon?
2: Yes. Have now. Just for the record, have you seen Dog Day Afternoon?
1: Yes, of course.
2: Well, okay. Well, I was sort of hoping you hadn't because the nice thing about the way Bob's Burgers works is if you've seen Dog Day Afternoon, great. You'll get some re- some nice references out of it. But I suspect even if you haven't seen Dog Day Afternoon, the episode works just fine and it's not really dependent on that knowledge like, you know, some shows are.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: I I love this show and I thought this was just as good, if maybe even a little bit better than the last week. Just so much goodness. Just everything with—I mean, what's—we don't get too much with the kids this week compared to say last week when they were sort of the center focus. But everything with them was awesome. From uh, it's
1: my daddy.
2: <laughs> yeah, just the the whole sequence with them clinging on to him as he's trying to leave was both touching and like insanely funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything with uh, with the book report and just uh, so much so much goodness. Uh, I I love the way that I mean. I sort of tuned out from the show for a while so I'm not really familiar with all the supporting characters, but I understand that the the character that Kevin Klein voices that we meet in the bank is kind of a semi-regular, which, you know, I would guess based on the fact that it's Kevin Klein for some reason. Yeah. Um but uh, I do, I just really dig the world of the show and you know, it's also nice to have sort of a, a working-class family in this at the center of a show even if it is animated and that and that the the plots are very much organized around that idea and yeah. and very very pointedly so
1: yeah I mean I mean there just aren't I mean how many middle-class families can you think of on TV
2: where they make a point about it or at where all where they're
1: actually middle class and they don't live in a TV apartment or house mm-hmm. I mean I I can't think of any maybe the middle I haven't seen the middle but mm-hmm. yeah I mean, not very many there aren't very many I really like this episode I mean and talk about Kevin Klein showing up Gary Cole as the oh, uh yes. right it was just so great I think he was the cop right the uh
2: yeah we got a t- double dose of care of Gary Cole this week as it turns out Weird how these things happen.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it, it was, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I think for me, the things that were the most entertaining was, again, I think Kristen Shaw kind of stole the episode. Uh, I thought she was so great as Louise this week. Um, but then just everything inside the bank really worked for me, so I'm, mm. I'm really enjoying the show. Especially nice the
2: to- my, my favorite thing was the robber playing banker. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. That was great. <laughs> uh, but the um the and the whole hot cool thing as well yeah. really worked for me. Um but it's just nice to have a comedy, like a feel good kind of comedy on not Thursday cuz for yes. for me this is the the closest thing I would say Bob's Burgers is in tone or the closest show to Bob's Burgers in tone I would say is Parks and Rec.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: I, I it's nice to have that more spread out over my week you know the other show like the new girl and happy endings I feel like they're more zany than than this is so I really enjoy having that on on Sundays mm-hmm. I'm
2: just hoping that I, I'm really glad about burger has got a second season I'm hoping it sticks around a while it seems like people are kind of watching it so yeah see it seems to be doing all right and yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just hoping it, it picks up even more of a following because I do think it's quite awesome
1: yeah yeah I, I think it I feel like it 's doing well, but yeah maybe that's just buzz and i 'm not i haven 't actually seen the numbers uh, for i I this feel week, like you so. don 't
2: need to see like it 's not the kind of show that you need, needs to grow on you. I feel like its charm is quite immediate,
1: yeah yeah, I would agree um after that, we have the amazing Race uglier than a mud rail fence, which uh saw the elimination of my team for our amazing race pool. It also yeah. saw Adam get another, like, 15 points. He's destroying us in the pool. He has, like, 30-something. And he's destroying
2: Dan, who was supposed to be the expert. Well,
1: Adam has, like, 30-something points, Dan has 20-something points, and the rest of us are in the tens, and the teens. So, um, yeah. Right, but I
2: still have my 20 phantom points, so I'm feeling pretty good.
1: (laughs) Oh, you and your fancy phantom points. See, the main thing for me is that Adam's not allowed to win because he picked... Brendan and Rachel as his team to win it all, and I just so don't want that to happen. That's not um, going to
2: happen. This well, that's just not going to happen.
1: Um, I do think they'll probably go further than we want, than we would hope, maybe yes. than we would like. Um, so my team was the Mississippi girls. I enjoyed them in the pilot, and that or in the pilot in the first episode of the season, and so that's why I picked them. Um, they're out, so I've switched over to Art and JJ. Um, they're not my favorite team. My favorite team is your your pick, which is uh,
2: Mark and Bopper.
1: They're, they were so much fun this week. I mean, they're I was so glad when they weren't eliminated last week. Um, and I was really worried about them this week. But, I mean, but I, th- I, I, I think they did well.
2: They're, they're so likable, and they've come so close to elimination this week. I mean, they basically should have been eliminated last week. And mm-hmm. They weren't, and then we're so close to the to losing this week that I almost wonder if there isn't some
1: no some there's no. manipulation
2: going on. Just because it seems to.
1: No, because they have to deter- they determine when the elimination and non-elimination rounds are ahead of time, usually based off of, I could be wrong, Dan, correct me on this if I'm wrong, but I think they do it based on, like, travel accommodations and things like that, like, places where it's convenient to not have to worry about flying people home from, mm-hmm. um, but I-, I could be wrong on that, Um but no, I, that's something that gets determined far in advance, because they have to set up all the, you know, the tours and everything. Um, for me, with this episode, I just couldn't believe people kept messing up the Neuschweinstein castle thing. Because I thought that everybody just kind of knew that that was the Cinderella castle. And even just looking at the, like, half the teams went to the wrong place. That doesn't look like Cinderella's castle.
2: Yeah, like that one is stupid and yellow. That one is huge and classical looking. Like, come on, guys. And
1: has the tall spire. I mean, it's the Disney castle. Uh, so the, I was uh, I was kind of screaming at my TV a little bit with that. Um, I also was screaming at my TV during the – or not screaming. I was enjoying very much the the gingerbread house thing, if only because cause I was rooting for my girls, right, in Mark and Bopper versus the big brother couple. And the just the 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 gingerbread roofing that they were doing on their house was so idiotic and terrible that it, whereas of course the way that you actually do it is the way that the Mississippi girls do it where you first you gingerbread the pieces and then you put it on the house and then you stick it together. Mm-hmm. It's a, yeah. Anyway, so uh, just watching that was so much fun. For the fun.
2: record, everyone, in case you wanted pointers on proper gingerbread house. It's not a
1: hard thing to do. I mean, how would you just to try to like take the big pieces around the, I mean, that's just the most idiotic approach to putting together a puzzle, Mm -hmm. basically that I've ever seen. So uh, anyways, that's a long way of saying that I enjoyed this episode. I continue to enjoy the amazing race and Art and JJ may not be my favorite team, but they seem to be, you know, inerringly competent and also nobody else in the pool picked them. So if, they win, then I get points, and you guys don't.
2: <laughs> that is true.
1: Whereas if um, Mark and Bopper win, I'm happy, but then I would be one of three teams getting points. Yeah, so. but you,
2: you know someone else besides you is going to switch to Art and JJ this week. It's going to happen. I
1: don't know. There's two, that's true. There are two teams who currently have the feds picked, so they did yeah. not show themselves well this week.
2: No, they didn't. They just generally haven't behaved as you would expect feds to behave. Yeah. <laughs> have you noticed I don't know. that?
1: We'll, we'll see. They don't. I th- I don't know how much of it is them and how much of it is the marketing miss yeah. labeling them, but
2: maybe yeah, that's why we haven't knows. spent so
1: much time with them because all of the ads made them try to make them look like badass secret agent types when they mm-hmm. clearly are not. Yeah. Uh, next we had, after that, as part of a 45-minute delay, uh, thanks to some sports, which I thanks, think... Thanks,
2: sports. Yeah. Uh,
1: we had The Good Wife, The uh, Gloves Come Off was the name of the episode, and guest stars ahoy what did you think of this week
2: okay just can we just add these up so i know not all these people are famous but if you watch the good wife they're all important so michael j fox gary cole uh who's the guy who plays um the other love interest for diane
1: you know i don't know off the top of my head but the character's name is jack coleman so i'm gonna go with that
2: that guy (laughs) elizabeth reaser um Mm -hmm. gail from breaking bad (laughs) david costabile (laughs) Uh, also on the wire for those of mm-hmm. you who watch good things uh am i missing anyone i feel like there's uh, even more than that
1: fred dalton uh right the-
2: fred thompson yeah Fred
1: thompson yeah
2: yeah former former hilarious presidential candidate
1: yeah so they're what six at, at least, least six
2: and there we might be forgetting some
1: easily yeah they, yeah
2: they got greedy this week i thought this was better than the last couple of weeks still not the show at its best but I think doing more interesting things than it's been up to lately, although if I can just get my big pet peeve of the week out of the way, I'm sorry, Alicia. I don't care about your angst over the one point nine million dollar house you may or may not be able to have, like I know it's you know you've got ambitions and we care about you and you're a good you're basically a decent human being and all this stuff, but that was just a lot of white wine to me. I couldn't deal with that,
1: yeah, that didn't bother me at all, um because. The people, everybody we're seeing on that TV show is rich. I don't, They're all I'm not, I'm not, rich. I'm not saying so, it
2: bothered me. It makes sense. It makes sense for the world of the show. It makes sense for the character. Just don't expect me to feel sorry for you, like because we're supposed to feel bad for her in that moment. We're supposed to really. It's supposed yeah. to be like this major connected moment, and it's just not going to happen. At least not for me.
1: Well, it's just you have, I mean, you should. You need to put her in the context of her situation and her world, which is she, her husband cheated on her, right? Her family kind of crumbled and she sold her house. And now, th- you know, three years later, her house is $1.9 million and she can't even afford to b- buy it back, even though she's been now working and both she and Peter are working. You know, so like, even though she's been busting her ass at this law firm, Doing a really excellent work for them, earning a bunch of money for them. She hasn't gotten a raise, and she can't even she can't stay in the apartment that she loves because she's getting kicked out of it, fr- frankly. And she can't buy a different apartment because there's nothing that's in a area that that she's okay with that's within her price range. And she can't even go back to where she used to be three years ago.
2: Right. And if so if for me, show... that
1: really works.
2: And if this show took place on some. More fortunate planet, maybe I would care, but I just can't.
1: Okay, that's fine. I thought it was a really interesting episode for her journey. the 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 Alicia we see in this episode is not the Alicia of last season. It's not the Alicia of even earlier this season. I mean, she's just what she she would not have, you know, tried to play Diane like that earlier this season. She would she you know she's shown like unflinching loyalty and support for both uh will and and diane so to see her being so much more of a shark as well as identifying with kalinda because as the other woman i think was really interesting for her and i don't necessarily like these changes yeah, but you
2: you could see her trying to play diane as just really part of a longer game of michael j fox's character playing her which he no. kind of did
1: well Little, but not not really. He he thought he knew what he was getting with her, and he thought he would be able to buy her loyalty. And then he found out that that is not the case.
2: Well, except with, had things gone a little differently, he could have though.
1: I don't think so. I don't think she would have left. No. No.
2: Hmm, not only because it's called the good
1: wife, but I don't think <laughs> she actually would have left. Not
2: the good employee.
1: Well, I mean, and that's why that's why he says you played me because. It was his realization that she was never serious about leaving in the first place. Now, whether she acknowledges this, I don't think she was lying to him, but I don't think when if push came to shove that she actually would have left. Mm. I don't think yeah. she's changed that much yet.
2: Well, and the fact that we don't agree about it, it just shows you that there's some interesting stuff going on. Absolutely. I just, absolutely. I just don't care about her house. <laughs>
1: um,
2: yeah. And the stuff with the case was interesting and I thought it was great that they got a Canadian to defend hockey. That was a mm-hmm. nice touch.
1: Well, I also just liked all the stuff we got with Carrie. It's so nice to see the two of them just actually having a real conversation for once. And do you think they're setting the stage for him to come back to Lockhart Gardner? Because they keep talking about how they're low on people. And, uh, you know, with Caitlin gone, that they need, you know, they're low on, short on lawyers. And they keep, I mean, I'm not sure because I don't know if he would go back. But I think just the development, development we see of him this week that... He's able to sit and have a perfectly, you know, a good conversation with Alicia, and to act to be honest and you know, cool with each other. I think that might be paving the way that maybe he would be open to that.
2: Well, it certainly seems that way. It seems like the logical thing to do, especially since he hasn't had that much to do lately. So, yeah, with with sort of the fallout from what happened before, it seems like they're headed that way. And it would be nice to to see Matt Zucker get more to do because he's been great. So yeah, overall. A solid episode with some interesting wrinkles, and I'm—I am. The the preview has me curious for next week. We we get the the arrival of Matthew Perry.
1: Mm-hmm. I always enjoy him.
2: More guest stars, good. Just what this sh- this show is insanely greedy. <laughs>
1: Now, of course, there was the Walking Dead finale, like we talked about at the beginning of the show. You can hear our thoughts. Well, you can read your thoughts at org, Simon. And then we have the podcast out for that. So if you want to see what we thought of that, then you can head over to Um, Though we both really liked it. I feel that's fair to say. Yes? Yes. And then we had the penultimate episode of Luck. Now, there's all sorts of external or outside of the series uh, issues about luck this week, but first let's talk about the episode itself, episode 8. What did you think this week? Okay, sure.
2: You know it's weird because this episode mostly revolved around things that I don't really care about, like the whole criminal plot and Gus and Mike and all and, and Ace. Yet I still weirdly really enjoyed the episode. Maybe, maybe the external factors had something to do with that, but I thought it was Tonally, it was kind of distinct from other from other recent episodes. And I thought it was just really effective in ways I wasn't really expecting. For instance, the whole thing with uh, Gus facing down, uh, what's his name? Derossi, the sort of associate of, of Michael Gammon's character in the stables for just... I, I, so, I sort of wish it had been an unbroken sequence, but I, I did like just that... Because you really, I mean, you think it's going one way, like he's going to take him in there. He's going to beat the shit out of him or get a confession or whatever. But no, he just looks at him <laughs> and just lets him run his mouth while you get these like two pinpricks of light on the wall, sort of illuminating them a little. I thought that was great. And the, the episode was full of like weird little details like that, um, like the unexpectedly gory um, sort of disposal of Nathan Israel, yeah. which was not totally unlike what happened in the show this week and um and all and sorry i had to do that you didn't have to i did it was right there anyway and um yeah just lots of little things that i liked i I was a little i was a little disappointed we didn't get to spend much time with the 4a stables guys because we don't have much time left to do that and um and and only a little bit of time on stuff that i would have thought i wouldn't although actually i should also mention the nick nolte stuff i thought this week was fantastic this week he just gets to rip rip and roar this week and just uh tear up the screen but yeah overall even though it didn't focus on the stuff i usually care about i thought it was a pretty solid episode
1: yeah i i really liked of course everything with Dulty. i'm absolutely on board with you there uh i thought the stuff with rosie was great um it was it was also really good to see i can't remember what's the other jackie's name not leon
2: joey No, that's that's, the (laughs) that's Richard Kind.
1: (laughs) No, there's too many characters. I I want to say like Rico or something like that. Uh, The 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 one who has the successful race in the episode. It's great to see. Yeah, Ronnie. It's great to see that he is really good, and that's why that's why Nick Nolte chose him.
2: Yeah, over
1: true. over Rosie even though we like her more. Uh so it I thought that was really smart. All we've seen from him so far is just the fact that he's uh, an alcoholic and drug addict. So it's nice mm-hmm. to see, you know, how he's able to stay in the, in the in the job.
2: Mm-hmm. And and I like his little his little speech about when uh, when the other jockey approaches him for some of that mm-hmm. stuff. They they have that little talk. That's a nice yeah scene.
1: yeah. Um, I, we still have a, a horse without a, a rider though, so I assume that Leon will be getting on. Uh, uh, was it? She's on Mangato. He's on uh, pint of Plain, So then it leaves getting up morning. No, no, he's on getting up morning. Mm-hmm. So that leaves.
2: So that leaves pint pint to Plane.
1: So maybe uh, that's what right. and, we'll be seeing.
2: And we can expect I. think... I think we're getting a, a, a race with all three horses next week, so, which should be. Interesting. I'm
1: sure it'll be a lot of fun. I I, I really don't care about anything with uh, Michael Gammon's character. I mean, the scenes are very well done. It was there. It was it was, it was, it was uh, well executed, well performed, well written. But I just would much rather have been spending the time with pretty much any of the other characters. Than, than with mm-hmm. the whole sub- subplot, especially um, to start to transition here, now that we know that the show is not going to get to develop those storylines into a next season, then especially any of this time that on on the uh, the Indian Casino and all that just felt really wasted and kind of taken away from the 4 Stables guys, from any of the other the plot lines that I care more about.
2: Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, maybe we should talk about the fact that As far as I know, there's basically no precedent for what happened to Luck this
1: week
2: in, like, the entirety of TV history, which is saying something, because a lot of weird stuff has (laughs) happened. So, and and I feel really conflicted about a lot of it. I I think it was best summed up, uh, Maureen Ryan wrote a really nice piece on the Huffington Post about sort of what's sad about the cancellation and the fact that, you know, it's being canceled ostensibly because of, you know, this death, this third horse death, which didn't happen while they were filming. And I'm really still confused about that. But, um, you know, would the show have been canceled, had it been getting Game of Thrones ratings? I'm not sure. Yeah. And also, and I'm also unclear as to how much of the decision was strictly HBO's and how much of it was Milch and Man. Well, it
1: sounds like everybody was absolutely on the same page about it. Um, is, you know, they, they suspended filming... Uh, right away, filming with horses right away after a third hor- uh, horse died, um, or had to be euthanized, that is uh, but I don't, I mean and, and with from the statements we've heard afterwards I mean, you haven't heard a single a single word implying from anybody involved with the show that, that they should have kept going, so I do think that this is not a case where the the network took the show away from the creators
2: uh yeah, I mean it's it's so early it's it's kind of hard to say. I mean sometimes the truth of these things only comes out months or years later, and sometimes never, uh, depending on how, on how good uh, people manage their PR, their talk, their PR. Yes, but um, I think it's I, I, the thing that I I think I was I was trying to say a while ago and didn't do a very good job of, and something Maureen Ryan uh, talked about really eloquently, is the way I think Luck is a show that more more deeply delves into the the inner lives of animals and their relationships with humans and their importance in a system like this than any other show and i think paradoxically did more to humanize animals than maybe any other show even though it did you know kill a few of them Mm.
1: well and this is also a show where every single character barring the one guest guest star You know who's obviously uh, supposed to be the bad guy fighting Nick Mm Nolte for possession of the
2: horse killer. Yes. Other well, yeah.
1: Even his he he isn't even the horse killer. He like knows the horse. You know the person he calls the horse killer. Anyway, so other than that one character who's brought in as a severe antagonist, every other character that's anywhere near horses has a profound respect for them. So that's clearly Mm -hmm. a strong message of the show and something that they believe in. So so mm-hmm. given that I I do think that it I would be surprised if that you know if if they weren't all on the same page that after that if they can't keep the horses uh safe then that they weren't going to do the show mm-hmm. and I mean obviously for me this shouldn't have happened because the show should not be canceled because they shouldn't there shouldn't be three accidents in the course of 12 episodes of filming
2: uh, well, in in what in what sense shouldn't it have happened?
1: Um, the there were a lot of safety precautions, right? And some of them, at least this third horse death, sounds very much like it was just a sort of freak accident. But mm-hmm. in, I mean, every now and again you hear about injuries on set, right? Uh, for for people, of course, doing all the sorts of different stunts and things. But three horses had to be killed had to be euthanized in the course of 12 episodes of television probably 11 actually because they're filming the second episode of the second season
2: um well they wrapped two episodes so i assume they were filming at least the third episode oh
1: i had heard that they were filming the second but maybe it's maybe it's uh the third so 11 or 12 episodes of television that shouldn't mm-hmm. happen with the amount of oversight that should have been there the horses they the you know they should be using Horses that can handle this sort of strain, um, so it, it just it's unfortunate all around. Uh,
2: I I don't know. I mean, on, on one hand, I do think it's it's tragic. On the other hand, I kind of am. My mind's a little bit boggled as to how they didn't expect this sort of thing to happen, because if you look at the stats on how many horses actually die in horse racing, I mean, yeah, tons. tons
1: yeah, but they're not actually insane racing numbers them. of
2: horses. Well... They're
1: filming with, them. You know, they can... Them if there's anything that's wrong, they can cut the shot and do it again. They, you know... Right,
2: but they're getting horses to... And they're they're very careful. They're carefully choreographed and all that, but they're getting horses to run on the track. They're shooting for nine months at a time or something ridiculous like that. We all know TV shooting schedules are insane. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're doing it every year. They're, and there's a horse race, at least one in every episode. So, I don't know. It just seems to me with all the variables here it seems like it was sort of an inevitability, but I don't know. Yeah. No one's, as far as I know, ever tried a project of this magnitude involving horse racing. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, there's a lot of untested variables. So it's I don't true. know. It's, it just sucks for everyone.
1: Yeah, all the way around. Um, but another, a strong episode for me, not near the season's best, but still it's, I mean, this, I don't think this is a show that will transcend for me to become one of my favorite TV shows ever. Um, I don't even think it's, the best show on right now uh, but I do think that it's it's full of really strong performances and interesting characters mm-hmm. so it is going to be a shame to have it off the air
2: yeah and there's certainly things that it does that no other show does
1: absolutely in-
2: including things that have come before and things that will come after and it's going to be a shame to lose it
1: yeah um so for after luck uh, on monday we had the voice a slightly different conversation there uh, this is the third week of battle rounds uh, now i know you didn't get to watch the first two ep- uh, the, the you watched the first week of battle rounds you weren't able to get to the second week of battle rounds did you get to the third week of battle rounds
2: uh, no i I've, I've been mondays are not a good night i'm sorry i'm sorry the voice i would like to keep watching you but my schedule is just not working out
1: well yeah, it's it's a big commitment of time. So I watched it, I enjoyed it. I thought the, the in general the duets were were way better though. You've got to check out one of them because it was just crazy. Uh one of the celos team uh just the, crazy is the only thing I can think of to describe it. Th- that happened. Is <laughs> the only, you know, thing I can say about it. Um, but in general, it was good. But let's move on to the, the, the next show, or the, the last show, actually, for this week, uh, Smash. We've been very, I would say hot and cold, but we haven't really been hot. We've been lukewarm and cold on Smash. Yeah. Um, I'm going to keep asking you until it becomes true. Is this the week that you break up with the show?
2: No, I'm sort of fascinated with Smash. I think even maybe more than I was a couple of weeks ago, or maybe even when it was good. It has this, like, <laughs> amazing train wreck quality that... I haven't seen since maybe I got the... This... I don't think I ever got the same kick out of Glee, actually, because the show doesn't intend to do this at all, but it has this quality about it where it's, like, 85% of it doesn't work at all, and there's, like, a few flashes of inspiration here and there, but it's like watching a theater piece that's in development based on a bunch of people. who some of the, Some of them have theater experience, and some of them have no experience leaving their house, and <laughs> it's... It's just such a weird, weird show.
1: Yeah, for me, I was watching it and actually sent put out a tweet like five minutes in that. For at first, in the first scene, I was very annoyed with the show because it was my two least favorite plot lines coming together: Ellis and then the relationship, the affair. Um, but then, like five minutes later, they had Bernadette Peters on doing a relatively less produced, uh, just off the cuff, everything's coming up roses. And it was amazing. So they clearly have the potential to do a lot of really great things on the show. Just just the exuberance of that moment was so great. It made the whole episode worth watching. It you know, made all the things about it that were annoying me worth it. And I do mm-hmm. think there are some interesting developments. I do think that it's not nearly their worst episode. and yeah, they
2: got worse in them. I'm waiting to see it.
1: I mean, a couple things uh, I'm looking forward to seeing develop. A couple of things I wish. I mean, the, we were talking earlier about Dylan Minnette in Awake, and he's great. And to contrast him with what either the actor or what they give the actor to do on Smash, who plays Deborah Messing's son. I mean, uh, holy, ouch. I it's,
2: it's like a perfect unholy combination of bad material and bad acting. Yeah, I don't I, know what they can really do there. And I think Deborah Messing really needs to throttle whoever is writing her storylines because holy crap, everything to do with her and and the, the male star who plays DiMaggio is horrifically bad. It's not good. It's whew, yeah, and basically almost everything to do with characters other than Jack Davenport is bad this week.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's pretty great this week. He was a lot of fun. Um, I like Angelica Houston too. I, I think they should have done a better job of showing the, the the workshop not being a success because yeah. we're supposed to believe it's not a success, but everything we see besides a couple of, you know, people falling over a little bit, which in a incredibly warm environment is actually kind of to be expected. Um yeah. Everything we see is great, so why are they... All of a sudden, they they need to make serious changes to the the show, because that's not what we saw. So they did a really good job, actually, in the pilot of showing auditions of people who were in tune and in rhythm, but weren't good. And Mm -hmm. they need to do some of that translation for the audience in in situations like this. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, but... I guess my last thing is as soon as they decide to kick out Michael because Deborah Messing is being a 15-year-old girl and then Derek's like screw this I kind of wanted him to just leave the show like okay spin-off time but I guess that's not going to happen.
1: Yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh the promo is just the opposite not of encouraging. Good. <laughs> But
2: ah, come on, Smash! I want to see you hit bottom. It's going to be <laughs> glorious.
1: We'll see what happens. I guess we're sticking with it for at least a little bit longer. So oh,
2: how can we not?
1: But that that wraps up our week in TV. We're gonna take a quick break and come back and talk some Justified. That was "Lord Have Mercy" by El Camino, uh, which was featured in this week's episode of Justified. Lots of good, epi- lots of good music um, in this week's episode. This was "Loose Ends" and uh, was the follow up to last week's "Fabulous Watching the Detectives," which followed, of course, Raylan through his legal troubles. What did you think of this episode? Was it a worthy follow up?
2: It was. I mean, the great thing about Justified is that. And sort of this has been the pattern lately is they'll do an episode of Setup and an episode of Payoff and then an episode of Setup and then an episode of Payoff. And this is an episode of Setup and it's still really good. I mean, there aren't too many shows that can just sort of spend an hour moving cogs around and but you don't even unless you're like us and you're analyzing it, you Mm -hmm. don't even think of it that way because it's just so entertaining and the char- I was talking about this when we were when we were talking about The Walking Dead. Like that's a show that can't really pull off episodes where not much happens or where just where it's just pure plot movement because the characters and the dialogue and the setting aren't necessarily mm. that interesting. Here all of those things are interesting. So if we have an episode that's just, you know, getting things in place for the last few episodes, which is very much what this episode feels like, then it's still great.
1: Yeah, I I really love this episode. I think uh and and they are so good at all of the, the all of the pieces building up to to a whole. But for me, the my favorite part of this episode was one scene and you could probably guess which one it was, but it was mm-hmm. the season and a half over long overdue scene between Raylan and Ava where Raylan finally says what mm-hmm. the hell are you doing with boy you you know what he is why are you with this guy and i was so glad to have that addressed mm-hmm. on the show i was so glad to see her re- reaction to it and her response to it and it's about damn time that they got around to to really giving us some character time with ava
2: mm, it's a good it's a great episode for ava i mean i feel like what what the, what the show's done in the last few weeks is like Okay, well, while we're ramping up the story, let's fix all our character problems. It's great. Like I wish mm-hmm. more shows would do this. I, in fact, I can't think of another show that really took a chunk of its season to well, just fix. They, stuff. they fixed. They gave
1: Rachel a lot more to do. She still doesn't really have that much of a character, in my opinion. But they, she was far more present this season. Uh, Tim got a lot more to do. Winona sort of redeemed herself for her. Let's say season two missteps yeah. and now finally we get some explanations or some you know interaction at least with with ava i felt i felt she was like she was more like season one ava this week than she has been in the past
2: mm-hmm. yeah that's true it's um it's really nice to see and we i also there's also an interesting beat between her and johnny and i'm wondering what's up with yeah. johnny these days and hey why not make more <laughs> characters more interesting that's just fantastic uh, I also thought that the scenes we got with Limehouse mm-hmm. this week were actually good, despite the fact that I did I did pick up on the false teeth. I, they're
1: glaring, Stein. right? As soon as um, you see them,
2: <laughs> they, they they are a little glaring. But I love the scene with him mm-hmm. and quarrels and and the thing the thing about the show is like there are so many characters that are that are skilled at concealing their motives and being <laughs> being mm-hmm. really clandestine, and and you know toying with their allegiances. And Quarles is just such an <laughs> asshole that he can't even do oh my- that.
1: <laughs> I loved just- <laughs> him with the with the guy talking about how they were going to rig the election. It was just the most hilarious thing. I loved it. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Yeah, he just has no... He doesn't care about you please stop advice. please telling me I don't just-,
1: just do it. <laughs> Though he's terrible at it, yeah. clearly, given <laughs> the way he handles Boyd. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah, we get the return of Preacher Boyd, which was awesome.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, I know for some people, uh, it was because of the, the similarity of that scene to the season 2 uh town, how, town hall town meeting with mags it, they felt the scene paled in comparison i didn't have that issue for me it was such a clear callback to his season 1 persona that i didn't even really connect the two but what do you think about that uh
2: well, i mean they're they're clearly connected scenes but they're also i mean the the intent is a little different uh i mean my main problem with that scene is that they bring in jim beaver and don't give him any dialogue which yeah. come on guys he like he's literally at a podium ready to talk and he says maybe two words which was a little disappointing uh, i'm hoping we get more action with him later i'm also hoping he gets to be more than just a pawn mm-hmm. but um i don't know i i didn't really have that issue or really any serious issues with this episode also in terms of improving stuff. Remember how we got that terrible car bomb explosion last week?
1: And they showed this, it again at the beginning of this yeah. one?
2: This week we got an awesome shed explosion.
1: Yeah, that was pretty great.
2: Yeah. Like, that how do nice... they
1: how does they do the one the one week and then the other the next week? How how do you
2: I don't know. Is it cheaper to blow up a shed than a car? I don't know. It ah. it seems weird. But uh but yeah, I love the whole thing with, with the bouncing Betty and Mm. And now I, I don't, I feel like I can't, it seems ridiculous when he says, oh, I feel like if I drop the gun, it's going to shift my weight. It's like, of course it's not. Oh, wait. <laughs>
1: <laughs> my bad. <laughs> well, and, and that character was interesting throughout the episode, but I think it, the most interesting thing about him is I loved the scenes we got with his mom.
2: Yes, I was just about to say that.
1: She's fabulous. Oh, that was so
2: great. Another character who's like, you know, she she presents herself one way and then ends up being something totally different and in-
1: well, just the yeah. contrast between her voice, her speaking voice, the timbre of her mm-hmm. voice with, you know, what she had to say in her journey through the episode was great.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she gets, and that's maybe what, two. That, that's basically two scenes, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's that's a pretty, that's some awesomely economical writing right mm-hmm. there. And great uh, they, they always have a great guest cast, even if it's not, you know, big names. Just the people in seemingly incidental roles are always great. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think just the thing that I'm really also enjoying about this series right now is much like I was, I I felt at the same point last season, I kind of have no idea where it's going. Hmm. Like, I mean, the preview for next week is is so awesome. (laughs) So awesome. (laughs) Um, but, um, I mean, uh, I guess, and it's even more than last season, because last season we figured, okay, well, Mags and the family are going to go down. It's just a matter of who survives. Mm-hmm. This season it's like, okay, well, we've got Quarles, but we've also got Limehouse, and we've also got Boyd and Ava, and we don't really know how the allegiances are going to shift, and we've got the Sheriff's race, and we've got the feds, and we've got... There's so many variables right now that I just... Ha- I, I don't even want to try guessing where they're going to go with it.
1: Yeah, the only thing I'm sure about as for the rest of the season is that I'm sure Quarrel's gun is going to jam. I don't know yes. when, but that will happen. So whether that happens, I mean, I feel like that needs to happen in the finale based on the way it's been, you know, but then justified is an interesting enough show that, that they might just kind of bake us out with that and throw it earlier. Mm-hmm. And so then you don't, you have no clue what's going to happen, but that's the only thing yeah, that I'm sure I- will happen.
2: They, they've they mentioned the jamming explicitly twice haven't well, and they? they've
1: shown him use his gun like whip it out like three times so right it's time
2: yeah and i, I love the way that they keep mentioning it because they know we're thinking it mm-hmm. and they know they know to toy with us and that the, the the there's just it's nice to see a show that doesn't treat its audience like idiots
1: Easily. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. No, it's a, it's a really great episode. I mean, I'm i trying to think of more things to say other than I just I felt like it was firing on all cylinders this week. I really loved the episode.
2: Yeah, I mean, the only real problem with it is that it's not, is that I haven't watched the whole season yet. Yeah. That's my problem. Like, I just, can I watch it now, please?
1: If the rest of the season is of a similar caliber, not going to say it's even more amazing, but just of a similar caliber, if it doesn't f- drop off, right now is season two still ahead of season three for you
2: i think uh, because i think the major problem with season two for me besides some character problems i as i there are i do feel like the finale was quite flawed in the sense of having too many coincidences and too many things just go a little too smoothly if they if they can really nail that last episode i think this could best season two i think that's really what it comes down to for me
1: yeah we'll have to see how it goes all together but for i just, i'm loving this this season so much i'd so great to have it there waiting for me every Tuesday. So tonight, theoretically, it'll be you know unless there's uh, some I, I've had some intermittent cable over the past week, so it's not allowed to go out during Justified.
2: You know, it really isn't.
1: <laughs> so yeah, another pretty solid week in TV. It's yeah I, I feel like I say that every week, but um ever since that one spotty like all the comedies aren't funny this week. One we had about a month ago, I felt like I feel like. Oh
2: yeah, that was rough.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like things have really been taken along. So next week we have finale for Luck, we have finale for Archer, we have premiere of the uh, of Mad Men, we have all sorts of stuff going on. So
2: yep, and the new, there's some new HBO comedies turning up very shortly
0: as
1: well. Absolutely. Oh, Bent starts this Wednesday on ABC, so I'll have a pilot nice. review for that. We'll see how that goes. But yeah, it's been it's been a nice spring season, I guess winter, spring, whatever you want to call it for, for TV. So so I guess a few show notes as we wrap this up. We uh, have our intro music, which is Sweet Petite by The Bicycles, and it's also the outro music as well. Uh, you can find us at soundonsite.org. We'll have a post up about the, the episode. You can stream it there or, or download it as well. Um, if you want to stream the show, you can also stream it at Current, and um, you can leave us comments, of course. It's on site. We'd love to hear from you guys. Please let us know what you're thinking about all these different, uh, different shows. I know for some people Season 3 of Justified is not really working for them, so I would love to hear from you guys, because I don't see like I just don't understand so I would love to understand <laughs> why cuz yeah. you know these people that I, whose opinions I respect and I you know they're intelligent TV watchers, they're TV fans but it's still not working for them so I would love to get into conversation about that mm-hmm. specifically or whatever yes. else you guys are watching on TV this week.
2: Oh, and also let me know if you feel like I should be reviewing Spartacus every week cuz I have been watching it but I've been kind of waiting till the season's over to do a wrap up but if people want me to talk about it every week I can.
1: There you go. Um, you can send an email to uh, theteleverse at gmail.com. You can subscribe to us in iTunes. We have an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 regular feed there. Of course, you can leave us ratings and reviews and be awesome like Michael and, uh, and, and Keith this week to, if you want to do that. And we're also on Twitter. I'm at theteleverse. You are?
2: At Sucker Howell.
1: And I feel like that's enough. uh, Anything else for you?
2: No, let's take it out with the DVD show. Yeah,
1: let's go. We're going to toss it over and uh, talk some Better Off Ted with Josh Spiegel from Masterpiece Cinema. So that'll be right after this break.
0: Viridian Dynamics. Competition. Whether it's animals or this old woman and baby fighting to the death. Competition makes us stronger. In business, that means better products. Pills that look like candy. Hands that can shoot lightning and a new generation of hurricane-proof dogs. Viridian Dynamics. Competition. It makes everything better.
1: We're back with the Televerse. This is Kate Kalzik, and I'm joined by Simon Howell. And this week at the DVD shelf, we are excited to welcome Josh Spiegel, of course, from Masterpiece Theater. And we are going to talk about Better Off Ted, a short-lived but highly, uh, Highly loved, at least by those who got to see it, ABC sitcom. Um, Josh, welcome to the show. Thanks for picking Better Off Ted. Thanks for having me. So so why did you choose this series?
0: Well, first, because all the series I chose first were already picked by somebody else who'd been on the show because they're so popular and brilliant but canceled. But uh, seriously, the reason why I chose it was, <laughs> you, you know, this was one of my favorite Two and done shows from the last couple of years. I was when I was watching a few episodes a few days ago, prepping for this segment. I was reminded of how similar Better Off Ted was to Dollhouse. Both of those shows had two seasons, (laughs) and both of those shows had the exact same amount of episodes. And I have no idea why they were renewed by either network, ABC (laughs) or Fox. They had hideous ratings. You know, I I, there were there are times where I'm watching that and thinking. Am I the only person who watches this show? Like, literally, am I the only one who has the TV tuned to ABC right now or Fox and Dollhouse's case? But I don't know why ABC renewed Better Off Ted only to let it die, which is me being bitter. But yeah, I picked it because it was hilarious. You know, it was a mix of Arrested Development and Andy Richter Controls the Universe. I'm not sure if either of you have seen that show, but both it's of those hilarious. Were... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were both classic shows. And this was, I think, the first time. I'd seen a show post-Arrested Development actually get it right, get the tone right, without feeling like it was aping the style too much. And that, that really endeared itself to me as well, so
1: we it's a show that I had heard mentioned so many times in the same breath with the rest of development, uh, at least, you know, when it was on the air and people were trying to, you know, critically reviewing it, it was a very well received, at least critically, uh, show. And so, it, especially with having Portia de Rossi in both series, that's, you can see how the comparison is made. But I was surprised watching it now, because, of course, I am one of those terrible people who did not watch it while it was on the air. And I had I had no excuse because I was reading, you know, critics who know knew what they were talking about, who were telling me to watch it, and I just didn't. Um, but it was absolutely I deserve some, I deserve some uh, some shame though. You know, I was never a Nielsen family, so I guess it didn't really. But anyways, um, the... <laughs> has
0: anyone ever been a Nielsen family? Really, I don't think they exist.
1: I know three people who. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Two family members and a friend who have done it, uh, and, and the week that my friend was the Nielsen family, Dollhouse went up half a million viewers, so, uh... <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyways uh I was surprised when I was watching it now uh of actually how different to me it is than arrested development, given all the comparisons but what I absolutely do agree with about it is that it's a show that knows its tone and is absolutely comfortable in its skin from the very first episode um so i in you know I can see how it's similar, but in some ways, I was surprised because you know there's breaking of the fourth wall there's all of these uh more heightened, I guess I would say, elements that aren't as, uh, as present in Arrested Development, but it's still definitely uh, one of the best comedies, I think, or at least most original of the past several years. Uh, Simon, what was your relationship with Better Off Ted? Uh,
2: Well, you know what's strange is that I was, I was watching uh, this week to week when it initially aired, for the most part, and what's strange to me is that when I think of Better Off Ted, which, by the way, I think is a terrible, terrible title... <laughs> nothing to do it's almost Cougartown bad. It's got nothing to do with
0: Terrier's bad.
2: No, actually I like Terriers as a title, believe it or not. I think it suits the show much better than Better Off Ted suits this terrible title. Anyway, um <laughs> the the first show that I think of when I think of Better Off Ted is Mad Men. Maybe because maybe because uh Ted himself is sort of like an alternate universe Don Draper if he weren't terrible, yeah, exactly. You We're know,
0: impersonating someone. Yeah,
2: yeah. But he—he's you know he's this like you know conventionally handsome guy who's good at his job and is very uh, and has made himself comfortable in this corporate environment. Um, and it's also, I mean, it's it's theoretically about you know research and development, but it's just as much about advertising uh especially because you know we you get these uh, often some of the best parts of the show are the fake veridian ads
1: mm-hmm.
2: which are which are which appear throughout the episode and it's amazing to me not it you know, it's even more amazing to me not that the show got got renewed but that it got greenlit in the first place cuz it's it's so subversive it's so sly it's so rapid fire and it, it's it's the style is so utterly unlike any other ABC comedy, especially of the time that it was initially greenlit. Um, Yeah, the the fact that its existence for 26 episodes is mind-boggling to me.
1: (laughs) We should say, uh, seeing as... I'm not the only one who missed this on its initial run. Uh, This is a show about, the the main character is Ted Crisp, which is just a hilarious name, I think, (laughs) um, who's a single father and the head of an R&D department at a giant soulless corporation, uh, which is (laughs) Viridian Dynamics. And so he has, uh, and you see him working with some scientists who are in the the lab trying to get all these weaponized pumpkins and <laughs> and unbreakable plates but they need to be less, slightly less unbreakable so they aren't quite so heavy just all sorts of different craziness going on in the lab and then you have the 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 head in charge of all the the testing and uh which which is the love interest sort of uh in linda and then his boss is is veronica played by porsche de rossi so um yeah it really and then oh, before i forget he has his young daughter as well who's uh I would say not in every episode, but in many of them, I would say almost most of them. So it just follows the wacky world, I guess, he lives in and his day-to-day. I, For me, I feel like this is a show that I totally doesn't fit with ABC, particularly at the time that it, it was on the air. I would say this would seem like it would go very well with, like, 30 Rock and Parks and Rec.
0: Yeah.
1: So maybe if you like those shows, you should give this one a shot as well. But I do find the Mad Men comparison just hilarious. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, and I think something else that's worth noting for Arrested Development fans is around this time, I mean, it was probably a little bit after this that, like, Running Wild was happening, and mm-hmm. Mitch Hurwitz was doing all of his ill-advised TV shows that didn't go anywhere and nobody liked. And it it was strange that Portia de Rossi was the one who actually, who, out of all those people, who I mean I guess Michael Sarah went on to movies and, and riches, but she was the one who landed a TV role that was befitting of her talents. And if if anything, she's maybe even a little bit better here than she was on, on Arrested Development, just because her character has this perfect blend of of smugness and self possession, and just j- indifference and intelligence. It's it's it, she's a, a really singular character. Um, and just watch, and she has a uh, you know a, a slightly different dynamic with each character, and she's just fantastic.
0: She she is great in this show, and I think comparing it to rest Development, which is maybe not the most apt comparison, but it's hard not to. It was like she's playing Lucille but younger in some ways, in that kind of very tough, straightforward, no nonsense kind of fashion. You know, there's I was watching a few episodes over the weekend, and I forget which one this gag comes in, but she. Is trying to kind of endear herself to the employees more, and at at the end of conversations, she'll say, "You can walk away tall," and then there's a pause. (laughs) Now walk Walk away away. tall. It's just (laughs) like, it's somewhat like Lindsay a little bit, but I, I think she is way better on this show. Like Lindsay was a funny character, but I don't think they knew how to write for her as well on that show as Victor Fusco and the other, you know, the other writers on Better Off Ted knew how to get her to match with that voice
2: yeah and i think um i think more she's actually closer to like jack donaghy with a vagina than she is to Lindsay, really
0: (laughs) yeah that's a good point
1: but and yeah but i would say less approachable uh she i would add in my voice and with the chorus of praise for for portia de rossi here because i think she is hilarious in this role and just plays the tone so well, uh, you know. Every now and again, the character softens up a little bit, but then she she brings it right on back by the end of the episode. Just when you start to wonder if they're softening her edges, she she pulls it back, and uh, it, it just really she really has this character from the first scene she's in, and it's, it's pretty great. I would say like that's one of the biggest things that struck me, and I. Due to some procrastination, I, I watched this entire series uh, within less than 24 hours. Uh, so clearly <laughs> I like it. Um, but so all
2: 26 episodes, you're mad, woman, <laughs>
1: <laughs> mad, underemployed, you know, it's all the same thing, right? <laughs> but I, I will say that, um, I I really enjoyed this whole cast and the way that they worked together. And while she may be the standout in some ways, just because I'm more familiar with her and I really appreciated her in this particular role. I think the whole cast as an ensemble works really well.
2: Yeah. And I I think one thing that's, that's worth uh, praising is, you know, the characters of Ted and, um, Oh God. And, uh, and Linda who's sort of his maybe maybe not love interest who you know they, they, they have a, a very familiar relationship but uh but andrea anders is so charming
0: mm-hmm.
2: and has, she's such a singular presence that it you really kind of forget that you've seen basically every one of their plot points roughly a million times
0: yeah, and I think that Jay Harrington as Ted works well. Like he, I think, doesn't have as much range as people like Portia de Rossi does, or even Andre Anders. But I think that within that very specific wheelhouse, like especially his byplay with her, it's really strong. But I, I also want to give some love to Malcolm Barrett and Jonathan Slavin as yeah. uh, <laughs> Phil and Phil and Lem. They're so funny. I remember the one episode that I made sure to watch again because I think it's the absolute pinnacle of the show is racial sensitivity i think it's the fourth episode in the first season yeah, and yeah where episode. in that episode uh, <laughs> lem who's black finds that all of the motion sensors do not detect him because he's black and i remember that as soon as that first happens you know he's having this fight with phil who walks out and then phil comes back on the lights come on and he looks at phil like wondrous he's like the lights don't, lights turn off when you leave the room. Well, and there's a long and pause. There had been this
1: discussion of whether the, yeah. uh, the the culture in the the petri, petri- petrius next to him yes. saw them as gods.
0: <laughs> yes, and, and just and Phil's response, like, how can I stay mad at you when you say things like that? <laughs> just that dry response. And Jonathan Slavin was on Andy Richter controls the universe way back ten years ago, and he was a lot different in that show. But I think like they really found a great role for him in this the two of them are hilarious uh,
2: racial sensitivity is an amazing half hour of tv uh, or 22 minutes or whatever and i think it probably pushed the the limits of the show's humor the furthest i mean what's really what separates this show i would say from it's got this almost brian fuller quality to it where it it's got a lot of quirkiness and it's got this very f- sort of fanciful setting but it's grounded in some pretty dark humor at times and especially in that episode, I mean, by the middle of the episode, you get – there's a blacks-only water fountain that has <laughs> to be established, and you and the black people start having basically white slaves, and it, it gets really out there.
0: Yeah, and I, and I love the, the conclusion where it says, well, we'd have to have white people following the black people who are following the white people who are following the black people, and it turns out that by the end of 2013 – Everybody in the world will be employed by us, and we just don't have the parking for that. I, I love that line that Ted <laughs> delivers because that, I, I like how that's how they rationalize let's go back to the old system. Just, we don't have parking for that, guys. Oh, okay.
1: Even so much of the ridiculous shenanigans that come down are all... I love how just clearly inspired they all are by corporate greed. And in that case, obviously the, the correct situation is to, you know, pr- bring back the old uh, motion sensors that didn't d- detect based on refracted light off of skin. Uh, but but that would cost money. So instead they have to go up with this ridiculous uh, chart. And once again, my enjoyment of charts is... Uh, was was uh, very much well suited to this show forgot about
2: the charts
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, they had to come up with this ridiculous uh, roundabout explanation for why it will cost less money to just do the right thing um, yeah well, that is an absolutely hilarious episode. Uh, one of the things we haven't, when we were talking about Jay Harrington, who I agree it works really well with Andrea Anders, and also I think just the dynamic between the, the 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 lab rats and and him is is hilarious. But I love his relationship with his daughter in the series. Hmm.
2: That's probably the least interesting thing in the show to me, just because it feels it like. As with the relationship between him and Andrew Anders, it feels pretty familiar. It feels like it's there to to sort of st- st- stack the decks in Ted's favor to make sure that we know he's a good guy. Uh, it's it's a little bit too precocious for me.
0: Yes, I would agree with that. There's I forget the line that you know there's a line in the pilot where they're talking. You know, he's asking his daughter, "What did you do in math today? Six, six times eight? Yes, that was one of the problems. Like that's a funny line by itself, but it's like. She's eight. Would an eight-year-old actually say something that obviously clever? It's almost very sitcom and most of the show avoids those kinds of tropes, I think. So I, I don't think that relationship was like a major problem, but it was kind of a, a bit of a dead weight on the rest of the show, I thought.
1: Wow, interesting! I I really enjoy it. I had so much fun with that. Uh, if only because then we got to see her with Lin- with Sorry, Lindsay. Wow, with Veronica, <laughs> which is always you know the just Veronica's discovery that having a child in the room will stop people from her bosses from yelling at her and will stop uh, employees that she's firing from crying. It's just so much fun.
2: Yeah, that was a that was a good episode. That the, the, and actually, there's no point in me saying like what's really. Uh, awesome. Also, about the show is throughout. I, I I'm not sure if I've seen all 26 episodes. I I uh, there's a couple that didn't air.
0: Lack of commitments. And know. they're on Netflix now. They are on Netflix. I, I had to go I watch know. them there.
2: But. I know. Uh, but um, th- the show is ridiculously consistent, especially for a network sitcom.
1: Yeah, I absolutely. I mean, there are sometimes uh, there weren't as many episodes that stood out as being overall. Every part of it was was at the highest level um but so, so the, the for me it had fewer absolute high points but at least one uh, plot point or storyline in each episode is incredibly successful and usually they're you, they're all good at least so i would agree it it for me it doesn't have the the heights of say arrested development but it is incredibly consistent
0: yeah and i think that by having a slightly smaller ensemble than arrested development it doesn't feel like some characters don't get enough of a focus I mean, I love Arrested Development. It's probably my favorite all time comedy, but having nine lead characters essentially, you know, it's hard to serve those characters equally in 22 minutes, especially because that show is at such a fast pace. You know, it's like a fever pitch, especially in season three, where it's just more and more and more outrageous, you know, and yeah, I, I think this show had that balance of managing each character well enough. And Unlike rest development, it didn't have to go out with a weak last season, which I still love rest development, but the last season's not its strongest one i don't think. <laughs>
2: oh i i' I'm, I'm not gonna go there yet' we'll, we'll I, save we, that
1: for a future the, for future self yeah sell. They're,
2: they're uh the news of of them doing another season meant we can't do a DVD shelf on it yeah we should uh, oh, sure, grab yeah. that
1: window but that, anyway, that to, is true, yeah, yeah to, to bring it back to you but Ted. I have a I wanted to ask you guys do you have a favorite Viridian ad or product that, that, that they develop
0: <laughs> there's so many of them I mean i i, I I was watching the four epi- four or five episodes, and I should have written one of them down. I just the one, I think the one with the the one of the racial sensitivity episode, was about diversity, and all the people <laughs> were white in the ad. One black loved,
1: guy.
0: <laughs> one black guy. I just love the the dryness of the the female narrator and mm-hmm. those images. I always wondered if those images were like stock footage or if they had filmed some stuff. Like there were clearly some ads that they filmed for the show. There's one about stealing, I think. And you see a guy dressed as like a stereotypical burglar with the ski mask over his head (laughs) and he's on the laptop. I assume that was filmed for the show, but some of those footage, some of that footage seemed real.
2: Yeah. Well, real, like real, you know, bad company footage. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Or it's, or it's exceedingly well faked. And I, I think I, I'm, I can't really think of, of individual segments that stand out, although I do love the quote from from that particular one where where the narrator says something like, even just the thought of diversity makes these white people happy. <laughs> um, but um, it, that really the fact that it's so prominent in the show just speaks to the fact that this show foregrounds or foregrounded, I should say, it's satirical elements more than maybe any other certainly network sitcom of the last five years i mean it's it is about character and, you know the, the, it's got no shortage of of character-based humor but you know in terms of lampooning corporate culture i can't really think of another sitcom that's done as as much as forcefully as this show did
0: yeah and it's confidently you know that there one thing that i think kate mentioned at the beginning about how the show knew its tone so well from the very beginning that's i think one of the strongest elements because it doesn't feel like there's a few episodes of almost throat clearing, of like explaining the concept over and over again. Like uh, that's, I don't know about you guys. I can't stand that in other TV shows where you watch the pilot and then the second episode has to literally repeat everything. The that the, Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I, I understand that some people might not have watched the pilot, but that's their problem. I'm watching <laughs> the second episode. Don't assume. Mm. I don't know what you're talking about. And I, this one, I feel like, They didn't give you, like, it's not like they throw you in, like, the deep end, but they assume the audience is as intelligent as they are. And I like that a lot.
1: Well, and one of the things, having watched the episode in such uh, quick quick succession as I did, or or having watched the series, there is some repetition, but it's uh, of overall themes or, like, the idea that everything is about money. Anytime any change happens, it's about productivity or money uh, th- yep. that does get restated but it's only like once every four episodes once every five episodes it's actually for a show of this ilk and i was surprised how standalone this series really is with a, I guess slightly the the the, the ted and um, linda relationship has a little bit of serialization to it but, but not really yeah. not really it's for the most part a very standalone series and so for there to be as little repetition as we get is actually i think pretty uh, pretty well handled
2: and really with with them it's like it's not so much they have a continuous storyline as sometimes they're closer to being on and sometimes they're closer to being off and it doesn't really matter which at any given time
0: yeah i think the most serialized element is how ted's past relationship with veronica Mm -hmm. informs how he reacts you know because the point in the first episode you find out that Ted had his one night stand with Veronica. He he makes a, a reference One-office to Linda saying, romance. yeah, one, his one office romance. He can't have another one. And that like that flashback comes into play in a future season 1 episode. I forget which one it is, but there's one where there's an email that Linda says that she sent about some product that she began working on in her first week at the office. Ted didn't get the email and it it all ties back to the fact that it happened when he was having sex with Veronica and that flashback comes into play pretty heavily. I think that's the most serialized it ever got.
2: That's a really good episode also.
1: Yeah. Well and you know, I really enjoyed that element to the dynamic just because they do address that uh, Ted and Veronica do have a a lot of respect and even attraction towards each other, but they also, their colleagues, they know that this would be a terrible idea. So of course they are not going to get together or be in a relationship or something. Um, and, and I actually like that despite how much they may toy with it he- here and there, they don't get Ted and Linda together either.
2: At least not in that 26 episode run. I Probably was, it would have happened at some point.
1: I kept waiting for Doesn't it to the, happen the, the in last, the second oh. season because it got terrible ratings, so they had to know that they were not going to yeah. get picked <laughs> up again. So I kept waiting for that to be like this, you know, there to be some sort of arc to it at the very end, but no.
0: Well, I forget. I thought that the last two episodes dealt more strongly with their relationship. I, I've only seen them the one time, and I didn't watch them in the last week, but what I thought there was some heavy relationship plot in those episodes
1: in the the final episode one of the, the last scenes is they of course have acknowledged over the various points in this in the series that they do both like each other and they just can't seem to get their timing right um mm-hmm. but in, in they do kiss and say you know if we were going to date you know i would want everyone to know it wouldn't be a secret all, all this sort of things and then they do kiss but that's their first and only kiss as i recall yeah.
0: Well, they so. do have kind of a kiss in the early going where they're in those <laughs> the, the, the hazmat, hazmat suits. suits. Yeah, <laughs> that was I, it's funny because I didn't watch that episode over the last week, but I. But there was another episode, maybe the racial sensitivity one, with uh, her boyfriend Don. And mm-hmm. you see the flashback to them kissing, and even there, it's just so funny. They're, and, they're, they're passionate embrace, but not really.
2: And by the <laughs> way, can I just say kissing in hazmat suits? Very Pushing Daisies, just
0: to reinforce the brand. That's a good point, yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Good times. Now, unfortunately, we are running out of time, so uh, I I guess let's go around if we have any final... We kind of touched on favorite episodes already, but any final thoughts, Josh?
0: Better off, Ted. It's on Netflix. Watch it now. You will not be sorry.
1: Okay, Simon?
2: I'm glad it's on Netflix, because apparently the second season never got a DVD release, so (laughs) it's only half available on DVD uh, it's a, ignore the awful, awful title. It's it's a really interesting show that really has no corollaries of its period that I can think of. I mean, stuff like Parks and Rec and Thirty Rock are kind of similar in terms of the rhythm and some elements of style, but to me, the the the, the subject matter makes it pretty unique.
1: I I don't have any trouble with the name at all. So I don't really get where you're coming from with that. It doesn't it's just kind
2: of a sucky name. It it just it sounds like. It just—it sounds like a sucky sitcom.
0: It doesn't make any sense with the actual show. I mean, it's just a dumb pun. Yeah,
1: doesn't bother me, but you know, whenever <laughs> teach their own. Uh, the last thing I would say is that I, I love all of the different uh, gags in, in the lab. Le- like, well, not just the lab, but just. So little things like, well, the fact that there's an episode built around medieval fight club, <laughs> as well as just the concept of the octo chicken descending oh. from its web. <laughs> it's, <laughs> I think there's just like any show that's going to have like you. Know, of course, you never see it. It's just mentioned that one of the characters is afraid of the of the octo chicken. Yeah,
2: uh, I mean, there's a few dozen <laughs> tossed off little verbal gags in every episode. Yeah.
1: It's, it's just a fun show and definitely definitely worth your time. So I would say, like like uh, my colleagues here have said, go check it out. Uh, if you don't have Netflix, at least you can get the first season DVD, which is better than nothing, um, and it, it's definitely worth your time. So, so Josh, of course, where can our listeners find you?
0: Uh, they can find me on Twitter, at Masterpiece, and I have Masterpiece Cinema, the Disney movie podcast, on soundonsite.org. It's, you can find it there. You can go to iTunes. So, yeah, those are the best places to find me.
1: Yeah, and our listeners can, of course, check out the uh, Snow White episode and the Mary Poppins episode if they would like to become angry with you.
0: Oh, please. There are so many more episodes you can get angry with me about. Those are just (laughs) two of them. I've I've done 30 some odd episodes. There's plenty to get (laughs) curious with me about. I, I
2: do have to ask you, though, won't you eventually run out of Disney films?
0: You know, it's funny, I was actually just listing out how many movies I could do from the overall Disney filmography over the last week, and um, I extended it all the way to 2019, so not for a while. Yeah, there's a lot of movies, and I'm also doing the direct-to-DVD sequels. To some of the classics, so that Ooh. counts. Okay. I'm looking yeah. forward
1: to the Mighty Ducks 2 uh, cast. I must say, so I'm I look forward to that very much. Yeah, so. that
0: that one will be coming out. I, I don't know when this is going up on the podcast, but this that's gonna be out in little early March. So D, D2 and D3 are coming in March and April. I'm very wary of them, but you know, <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised. I, I assume that one of my co-hosts, Michael Ryan also of Sound On Sight will be very pumped to talk about those. He's a huge hockey well, he, fan. He
2: is our the Sound On Sight ambassador to the inner child. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, good times. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Josh. And thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Televerse.